listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 95, can you believe it, of the Testudo Times Podcast, where it still hasn't sunk in yet that Maryland is worse in Big Ten play than Rutgers. This is bad, Thomas. It's really bad. Yeah, it's uh, it's not going too great. Um, yeah, one and one and three is not. I mean, you kind of thought they would be either one and three or two and two, really, because two of those games were against top six teams in the country right now. Yeah. Um, but but when you actually see it, it looks bad because losing sucks. Losing is bad, but we're Maryland fans and Maryland observers, and Maryland has been doing a lot of losing lately. This is how it happens. Although, actually, when you think about the Wisconsin game, was it really as bad as we feared? There were some things in that game that they did well, in air quotes, when you're playing a top-five team. Sure, they were outclassed in every conceivable way, but maybe this is also because Wisconsin is not Ohio State or Penn State or teams that kick the doors off of you when you're bad. Wisconsin has never done that, even when they are a top-five team. But there were some things that weren't exactly horrible in that game. They had some offensive drives. They had a few plays that they made that I liked. And they ran the ball a little bit better than they had done in the past couple of weeks. So, in many ways, then, we shouldn't be as fatalistic as we have been. Yeah, I think, um, you know, a couple weeks ago, there was this super long, like, laundry list of things that were going wrong. And... That list is honestly, to me, a little smaller right now. Um, the pass rush is still just not. It's anything, not there. Which is which is stunning because you know they're trying their best to get like creative with different blitz packages, it packages and stuff, and they're still just not winning any like matchups against you know opposing offensive well, lines. Let's let's, then, let's expand upon this for a second, if you if you don't mind, because. For years, this team, the only thing it could do on defense really well was rush the passer, but they had a ton of talent when you think about it. They had Andre Monroe, they had Yannick Ngakwe, they had Jesse Annie Bonham, and now all of them aren't here. And maybe the defensive line is one area where they haven't recruited quite as well as we thought they could have. Like, they have some decent veterans like Kingsley Opar and Savon Walker and Chandler Burkett, but they're not exactly what you'd call standouts. And some of the players that we thought were going to eventually get there, and Adam McLean, for an example, they haven't really panned out. And now we're only in DJ Durkin's now. It's his third recruiting cycle, but a second full recruiting cycle. So don't you think, like, once that really good group of pass rushers that Maryland had for years is now gone, pretty much, you know, don't you think it was reasonable to think that there wasn't a lot below that, and so it takes a little bit of time to replenish the cupboard in that way, if you get what I mean? I guess. I think, I mean, I would argue that everyone that's on the line right now is a fine lineman, but none of them are very good pass rushers. Like Opara and Walker and Burkett are all okay against the run. They haven't been superb, but none of them are standout pass rushers in the way that Jesse Annie Bonham was. And this and, is true. And losing Annie Bonham, I mean, you you knew it would hurt. You didn't – wasn't really conceivable it would kill him this much. I, th- um, I mean, 
we said that they didn't have the depth that they had in past years, and when we say that, we just mentioned some of the players that they haven't had, and you think about those players and their individual abilities, it's crazy. But all those players we just mentioned are holdovers from not DJ Durkin. So a lot of me still thinks that eventually Durkin gets his guys in here and maybe the fruits of those labors are seen next year. And then they start to replenish the cupboard a little bit. But certainly it looks bare now because they can't rush the passer. And that's still a huge problem. Even against a pocket passer like Alex Hornibrook, this isn't exactly JT Barrett or some of the best mobile quarterbacks in the country. But there were some things that were good. On offense, Thomas, we talked a lot the last two weeks about how Maryland couldn't run the ball at all. And teams had found ways to game plan to stop Ty Johnson and Lorenzo Harrison, and it did so very successfully. And while it wasn't exactly Maryland at its best, they did run the ball better against Wisconsin than they had in any game since Minnesota. And that's a good Wisconsin defense that they're facing. And that has to offer up at least some encouragement going into these games against teams that they should be able to, in theory, beat that they are going to be able to get back to doing what makes them successful, which is running the ball and relying on these two great playmakers and not feeling like, well, if they're stopped, what do we do? Yeah. Um, you know, and Walt Bell talks about it a lot. When when you have a quarterback who doesn't run, you know, teams sort of gang up on your run game. And uh, you have to try a lot of different things to get that run game going. And... Um, you saw maybe a little bit of that uh, against Wisconsin. Um, they actually got Johnson and Harrison more involved in the passing game, which is um, something they, they are trying to do and will continue to try to do. And I think that um, makes a lot of sense because you want to get those players in space, and even if it's not handing them the ball, if you're throwing them screen passes, for all intents and purposes, it's still running, and they're very yeah. good with the ball in their hands. And that's which makes you wonder that, why they haven't done it more, but... Well, I'm sure they will do it more, but I think it's one of those that um, is is a more necessary thing to try now when, you know, when the only way to get them involved was just handing it off to them and trying to get them to run through, you know, eight-man boxes. That's not, it's not going to work, so this will probably help keep defenses honest, and I mean, they are at their best when they can break off big runs. And we didn't see a ton of that, but I think even better is that we saw consistency from them. And at least consistency in that, you know, they were always getting more often than not positive yardage and uh, good things like that. So if that continues, they'll at least give themselves a real, real good chance this weekend. They were getting five, six, seven-yard chunks. They weren't breaking off anything huge, but that was better when they were getting nothing against Ohio State and Northwestern. And if it can happen against Wisconsin, then in theory it could certainly happen against and those Indiana guys, and Rutgers. And for those two guys, it's always been sort of their weakness. I mean, they've been kind of boomer bust guys, uh, where their big runs would be 40-yarders, and they're other runs would be zero, one, or two yarders. And for for them to be sort of more consistently getting good chunks of yards, like five, six, seven, that's that's a step forward. I, I have to say that that was five, the thing six, that seven was... Step forward, by the way. Yeah, of course. I would say that that's the thing that most impressed me 
Uh, and it was even more impressive when you consider Wisconsin, for the first time really all year, did something that I just didn't think we had seen all that often, which was they took DJ Moore out of the game completely. And DJ Moore is an incredible receiver. Now, against Ohio State, that also kind of happened too, but in a much more obvious much everyone way. everyone was taken out of the game against what? Ohio State. Pretty much everyone was taken out of well, the game. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, DJ Moore was noticeably absent in this game, but other players weren't. Like, you had a couple of Tavon Jacobs sightings, as well as, I mean, Jarvis Davenport had a great catch on a fourth down. Uh, but they took DJ Moore out of the game, Wisconsin did. They covered him incredibly well. And that's a blueprint for other teams to use, although not everybody has the talent in the secondary that Wisconsin does. Uh, and with that said, Max Bordenschlager is still inherently limited as a quarterback, but he did make some very good throws, and he made some good plays on Saturday where you start to think, like, okay, there's something here, and it might not develop in time to save this season, but there was something here that you can say he's improving as a quarterback and he's had to do it in a trial by fire. But in many ways, I thought that was one of his better games. He didn't make a lot of head-scratching decisions. He had a little bit more time against a good Wisconsin pass rush. And he made some pretty good throws in some tough situations. So in many ways, I was more impressed with Max Bortenschlager than I had been, even in the games where against Minnesota when Maryland won. Well, I mean, and you say that, and then you look at it, and he was 13 of 30. Yeah, and but... It, it feels odd for, you know... Well, this is Maryland quarterback right, play for so many look, years. He did look all right a lot of the time, more often than not. And then still just 13 to 30. I mean, I think that's more a testament to Wisconsin's defense than anything. I mean, yeah, Bortenschlager is a sophomore who, had they not had the quarterback issues they had last year, he would be a redshirt freshman. And he's been thrust into action on a stage that he, you know, if he's, we're not, it, it's it's tough to say he won't be ever like fit for, but he's not ready for it now. I mean, he's still just developing, and he was more of a project than some other guys would be. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's looked okay, considering, you know, if you had pretty low expectations, I think it'll it'll be moderately pleased, but um, they're definitely going to need more from him in the next couple of weeks because mm-hmm. those are games Maryland's going to need to, you know, basically win at least, you know, they'll, they'll need to win both of them. Pretty they much need to win too. both of them, and I think for Maryland fan psyche, don't you think, like, for Maryland fan psyche, they kind of need to win both of them? Because Indiana, whatever you want to say about them, they come in with a worse conference record than Maryland has. And that's largely a virtue of the fact that they were given Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, and Michigan State in that order to start their Big Ten play, which is really unfair to anybody, let alone Indiana or Maryland. And they come in with the worst conference record. So this is going to be the chance that they have to really win. But again, they held Michigan very, very close and took them to overtime. They only lost to Michigan State on the road by seven. You know, Ohio State didn't blow them out until the fourth quarter. But this is still one of those games where you looked on the schedule preseason, we've talked about this a ton on this show, that Maryland kind of has to win if they want to get to a bowl game. And now even if they want to do the 5-7 and seven with good APR bowl game, they need to win this game. But Maryland fans don't expect much against Ohio State and Wisconsin. But they do expect more against the teams like Minnesota and Northwestern and Indiana. And that's why this game is so important. 
It's homecoming. There are going to be more eyeballs on this game than there are probably going to be on any Maryland football game the rest of the way unless they make a bowl game. And it's one of those games where you just hope that all the confluences of circumstances come together like it did against Minnesota so that there is a performance that tells you, all right, this team could still put it together in spite of everything that has gone wrong and everything that they have done that hasn't quite worked right. Yeah, I think that's that's fair and that's um yeah, they they're they do need this if, if you know, postseason eligibility is the goal. Obviously they you know, when they're talking about goals we'll say, you know, there's very short term and very long term goals. They don't you know I don't think they care a ton about full eligibility, but you know, fans will. That's that's a whole different thing. So um yeah, it's for for all that's happened, if they can scrape together a couple more wins here, and this this and next week in Piscataway are going to be the best chances to do that, really. So, well, there are um, only there are, in theory there are only two chances. Although I, I think they don't have a zero percent chance against Michigan, who has no offense, and Michigan State, who has no offense. I mean, they both have great defenses that will totally destroy Maryland alive. But because neither of those teams, in theory, have offenses right now, as has been proven, uh, you never know if Maryland could fluke their way into winning a 10-7 game, because we've seen that happen before. I want to get to some of the comments made by G.J. Durkin uh, this week. It made them Tuesday. And their comments about where the program is, where their expectations are, and how everything's been affected by what's gone on this year in particular with the horrible injuries to quarterbacks. And I think it's well accepted that if Maryland had one or both of their main guys healthy, this would look a lot different than it does now. But what did you think of those comments from DJ Durkin, and what do you make of them? It was it was odd to see him get kind of like introspective when he's normally pretty just straightforward, oh, you know, been trying one this week. Something like that, but I mean, he's, you know, I mean, he knows that, you know, he, I found it interesting. He said, "I'm, I'm the least, I'm like, I have the least amount of patience of anyone you'll meet." So, you know, I get it. I don't, I don't like losing either, but, you know, he knows what he has to do, and, you know, rebuilding the program takes time, um, especially in football, when it takes, it takes a while to get really a full roster together. Um, of of players who can compete at the highest level, and you know this year's team is kind of interesting in that it's still playing. It you know even though his first full recruiting class was you know really good, most of those players aren't playing this year. Um, they're still kind of behind sort of the veterans on the depth chart, and that leaves that leaves the team in. In a weird spot, um, but and you throw in the quarterback injuries, and so they're just not depth-wise where they they want to be, and they haven't been able to respond to things the way they would hope, um, which which leaves them kind of here. And you know, ob- for this year, there are obviously still games they can win, and. We'll probably be talking about everything a lot different if they do, um, but but I think even no matter what happens, I think you'll you still have to look beyond this year and and know that things are still looking up overall. 
And that's what we said before the season. Yeah, and we said it's a brutal schedule. They might be a better football team, but they could have a worse record just because their schedule doesn't work out as favorably as it did last year when they had three gimmies and at a conference and they played Purdue, who was awful last year, Michigan State, who had a, a horrific year that when everything went wrong and then they played Rutgers. Those were their six wins. And this year, they didn't have that gimme in the schedule. Like, they had Howard and they went into Texas and won. But that feels like an eternity ago compared to all the injuries that they've had. And we would be having a different discussion. And I don't think You know, think my favorite... It's... Go on. My favorite hypothetical question is, what do you think last year's team would be right now against the schedule? They um, have beaten Howard. Against this schedule, they'd beat Towson. And... Towson. Do they win any other games? Probably not. Think, I can't. I can't imagine. They're one of six right now. I I can't imagine. Yeah. So I mean, that's something I think about whenever I get someone in my Twitter mention say I'm seeing no progress from. And, but know, don't from but football. don't you also want to say to those people they went on the road and beat Texas? Like Texas isn't great, but they still went on the road and beat Texas in week one, and you can't take that I away from it, this team. I think it's something that you can point to and say, you know, they would be, you know, they took what would have been a 1-16 against this schedule to a 3-14, and 14, which is obviously not where you want to be, but it's, it's a, that does point to a positive direction. Wouldn't you also say, though, and we have to say it, and I know I said it earlier on this show and I've said it in past shows and I'll say it again, is Maryland 3-4 and four if Tyro Pigram and or Kasim Hill are healthy? Because I don't think so. I think they at least win one or maybe two more of those games that they lost. I'm thinking more Northwestern and UCF if one or two of those quarterbacks are healthy. How about how about UCF? Just they're still undefeated. It's, I mean, but it's again, been really as, weird. As, it's really as inconsiderate of them to turn into world beaters with Maryland still on the schedule. I mean, it's it's but again, like but the biggest thing that we said about that, and DJ Durkin said about that game was that Maryland didn't know how to respond to losing their another quarterback in that game, and that's basically why they lost or why they lost the way they did. I mean, UCF hasn't really played anybody all that great since. I mean, they killed Memphis, and that's an incredible accomplishment considering Memphis is ranked, but they're still in the American. And I don't know how UCF would have played against Maryland if they had either Kasim Hill or Tyrell Pigram for that whole game. So these are all hypotheticals. But I still think that this program— one, one thing I like is that Maryland has only lost two games in the last two years as favorites. The first one was at Penn State, which— Illinois. How the hell did Maryland—was there even a favorite and, in that game? That's so weird now when you look one, back on it. Remember we all thought they could win? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we all thought they could win. They were favored. I think— I don't remember who we ended up like picking in that game, but I probably but picked was, Penn State. But you could go back in our podcast archive yeah. and listen to it because it's there. Yeah, Penn State made the Rose Bowl and almost won it, and uh, and now they're second in the country. Left and is now second in the country with that same team. And then UCF is still undefeated. And in both of those games, Maryland lost its starting quarterback uh, in the first half. Yeah, so, I mean it, it's one of those. As a favorite, is a little sort of. You know, questionable because like they were even against BC. They were one or two point dogs in a few other games that they lost, but but still, I mean, you know, they. It's tough to say they haven't met any. They're 
there are no real expectations that they haven't met. They're not super far ahead of the curve, even though they, they did show that they were going to be, like, further along when they beat Texas, but they're not as ahead of the curve as you would, I guess, want. If this team was healthy, and you can never say that because you can't predict injuries, but because for Maryland it always really happens at one position, like, that, that's really all I'm saying. Like, they'd at least have one more win if they had a healthy quarterback, and we'd be talking about this team a lot differently. And th- that's still the, what it comes back to is it's like, I know next year against an in theory easier schedule, their crossover matchups are nowhere near as bad as they were this year, and they're not playing UCF. I mean, they're going to still play Texas, but that's at home. They play a Bowling Green team that is horrible, and then Temple, plus you get Minnesota at home and Illinois and Iowa as your crossover games as opposed to what Maryland had this year. Like, already you start to look at that and say, okay, with a healthy quarterback, Maryland looks much better next year, but you don't really talk about next year because we're still such a now and what have you done for me lately sports culture. And that's something that always gets frustrating, but I, I haven't given up on DJ Durkin because that win against Texas just gave me so much goodwill for them. And even though I had goodwill for them before, cause I liked what they were doing. It is frustrating to watch them have to go through this again, especially as longer term Maryland supporters and Maryland watchers who have seen this happen before when promising teams got scuttled because of horrible, bad luck. You know, and it happened again. And this was a better team that got scuttled by horrible luck. It used to be it was just middling teams that got scuttled by horrible luck. But quickly on this Indiana game itself, as we said, Indiana has actually hung tough with all of these decent teams except Penn State, who they got killed by. They took Michigan to overtime. They were very, very competitive with Michigan State right till the end of that game until they lost. Uh, this is one that Maryland basically has to win if they want to make a bowl game. And it's a game that it's just like Northwestern. It's really a toss up. Uh, Northwestern ended up beating Maryland up pretty good. I don't know if Indiana's going to do the same, but what do you think about this game? I feel like toss up is honestly generous. Indiana's favored by four and a half. Still um, feels like a I toss up ish to game to me. Yeah. I think uh, the Maryland bias would add probably three or four points in general. And even then, I would I still give the edge to Indiana, but I think it's totally reasonable to hope that Maryland can, you know, play to the level that it it seems to be building back up toward. Um, I think that there's a chance they do this after some of the signs against Wisconsin if they can build upon it. That's I mean yeah. that's really all I could ask for at this point, and it's what I'm looking for. Uh, when they play Indiana on Saturday. I, I don't think they'll end up winning, but if they can play in a way that capitalizes on some of the things they did well against Wisconsin, as we said earlier in the show, there were some of those things. I think that that will make Maryland fans happy, even if they lose, but if they lose, it would still look good because they would have lost to Indiana three straight years, and that's not great, losing Indiana football three straight years. And the only reason why I was actually excited about playing Rutgers because that game was at Yankee Stadium, but then the Yankees came along and actually, you know, ahead of the curve and further along in their rebuilding process than they should be. So that game got moved back to Piscataway. And if you haven't been to a game in Piscataway, you don't need to. Uh, It's way less interesting than going to a football game at Yankee Stadium. I'm still going to go to this game because family, but... Yeah, it makes what would have been actually quite an interesting game because of the atmosphere, a BTN special at 3.30, as it always should be. Yeah, that was... I mean, it's more about money than the Yankees, I think. But 
Well, no, it's actually not because the old ADs signed a deal, The one of the ADs before the ADs. Rutgers is a mess in their athletic department to sign the deal to play the game at Yankee Stadium. It's actually because of the field, apparently, and they couldn't really know that if the Yankees did make the World Series, they wouldn't have had enough time to get it into a football field. And then there's also the matter of the soccer team that plays there. It's a whole mess. But I'm really sad that I don't get to go see Maryland play uh, Rutgers at Yankee Stadium and now have to go see them play in Piscataway. And uh, you don't need to see Rutgers football in Piscataway really ever. Even when they were good, going to Piscataway is not much of a fun trip. Trust me, I've done it enough to know. And uh, that makes that game kind of not interesting anymore, which is a bit sad. But hopefully Maryland will not lose to Rutgers, unlike the Jeff Brom Express did last week. Shall we move on to basketball, Thomas? I think we should talk about that. Uh, Maryland Madness happened, and we covered it from all angles, including on social media. But you weren't there. Neither was I, to be fair. But uh, the social media stuff we were doing at Maryland Madness was fantastic. Credit to Alex Littlehales and the guys who were behind that, because it was very well done. Absolutely. I mean, Alex is is the guy behind all of that, and um, I can't really give him enough credit because, you know, I, I've I feel like this wasn't originally my idea, but I've kind of you know over you, you overseeing it a little bit, and yeah, I mean, and it's been pretty effective. I mean, we've done some some exciting uh, post game stuff and some exciting midweek availability stuff. Yeah, and Maryland Madness highlights on Snapchat and Instagram are, you know, different if you're not there. You know, they're, they're something for people that didn't show up. Um, Us, basically. Because the event itself is kind of, well, well I didn't go because we had some other people there that were, um, weren't able to cover the Wisconsin game earlier in the day. Um, I was just staying back to edit for, for other things, and we have a good enough staff that I didn't have to be there. For oh, no, they, but, these guys are great. Um, and to be honest, I'm glad it wasn't me doing this because I don't like Snapchat very much, nor Instagram because I have a BlackBerry, but that's neither here nor there. Let the guys who like it do a, it. Okay, okay, okay. You still have a BlackBerry? Yes, I do. I am totally okay with saying that. All right. All right. Same phone I've had right. for years. Ride or die. Ride or die. Does the things I needed to do. But let's get back to Maryland Madness anyway. I think we should do that. Uh, in terms of the actual event, which we covered brilliantly through all of the social media forums, and please stay tuned to oh, Testudo Times on Instagram and Snapchat for all sorts of fun stuff in the future. But in terms of the actual event... Mostly just dabbing. I know. That was a little unfortunate because I thought the dab was dead, but it's not, evidently. It's one of those, it's like... It's like a, a linear, not a linear, but it's like an exponential decay curve, and there's always still a little bit, little bit of it somewhere. And it turns and, out uh, Maryland Madness is the place where know. it was. And, yeah, I mean it's still somewhere, and yeah, it's, it's one of those places, and I don't know, it'll it'll never be completely gone. Just like the crying Jordan meme makes an appearance every now and again. I don't know. Uh. It, I I guess it's one of those things, but. Yeah, the actual like dance off between uh, some of men's and women's players and some other kids was was entertaining, but uh, but yeah, it gets you a little excited for basketball season, which we have started to preview here, and you should definitely go read the men's preview, all the previews that we do. But in terms of the previews that you've read and we've edited, and hopefully you've all read them by the time you listen to this show, when you think about it more, 
it's not hard to say that your opinions are starting to form at this point of this team because it is still late-ish October and we're not quite at basketball season yet, although we are a week away from the first scrimmage, essentially, of the season exhibition games. So in terms of your thoughts now, have you been able to ascertain a little bit more what you expect for the season, getting a little bit better idea of how everything is fitting together now that we are closer to the season than we were a couple of weeks ago when I asked you this question? A little bit. It, it's not really. So just a little You bit. can be um, honest here. It's fine. Yeah, it, it's. I still feel like my opinion won't fully form until I see him in, you know, just game settings, just seeing how minutes get distributed, seeing how um, Cowan and Herder and Jackson and some others are just looking at game. I mean, it was – that's not really something you can gather from the Maryland Madness scrimmage where, you know, they're just kind of there to be there and put on a show. And it's not what you are going to see the rest of the year. So it's, it's a whole different thing. Um, and the, the big questions that you'll need to ask, you know, it's like which of those guys made the leap, which of those guys did this, that, you know, you won't have those answered for – for a little while, but that's fine. Still a little bit of time to learn about these things, but I think the consensus of where most people expect Maryland to be is pretty similar, which is 5-6-ish in the conference, probably like a 7-8 seed in the tournament, and that's not terrible. You know, we've said that for a while, and I don't think most Maryland fans are going to be angry if they make the tournament for a fourth consecutive season, even if they're not exactly, you know, busting Michigan State's doors down, but there are some definitely reasons to be excited. And uh, when you look at the social media stuff, you can even tell that Bruno Fernando's a big man. A really, really big man. And I yeah, cannot wait to I, watch I, him I play. Need to, I need to ask him soon, what is he to the top of his little flat top thing? That he's, got? <laughs> he's listed at like 6'9". I feel like he might be like 7'2 to the top of that. Oh, okay. That will be a great question. Great content for you, everybody. Uh, I the can't wait to hear that. Media Day is on Halloween. Isn't that so going to be great? By the time we record this again, I'll have an answer for that. By the time we record this show, week from today, presumably, we will have an answer to that. Absolutely. You're, you're right about this. Uh, how about we get a couple of things on men's basketball uh, in before we do some non-revs because we have a little bit of time to do that this week. Uh, something we didn't mention last week because of all the news we had to talk about the Big Ten is going to go to 20 conference games next year, uh, 2018-19, from 18. And it's not as if Maryland's going to start to play Minnesota and Nebraska twice, but they're going to start playing teams that are geographically closer to them twice, i.e. Rutgers and Penn State. Uh, they're both not very good at basketball, and that takes away two out-of-conference games. Now, maybe we are overthinking this, but to me, you know, some of the conference games that this would take away are games against like the Gardner webs and the Catholics of the world. And maybe Maryland is better suited to playing Penn state and Rutgers and extra time every season than playing those teams. But some people have said that it limits the ability for teams to schedule really good teams at a conference. Uh, if you add two more conference games and the ACC has done it now, the big Ten's doing it and other conferences are certainly going to follow. Uh, so what do you think about this move and are the overreactions or reactions to it, I guess, valid or 
are we just, you know, making a lot out of nothing, as we often tend to do with these situations? Um, I, I really don't see it being that much of a deal. Um, it's, you know, the it, it's hardly even extra games against, you know, Penn State and Rutgers, because I think Maryland plays those teams a combined three or four times this year. So it's... Well, what would happen better. is, I based on what... It's I just read a into the situation. Two games every year. It would be a guaranteed two games against them every year. So Which as opposed fun. to maybe playing them three times, sometimes twice, one game against each, you're now going to guarantee them play four times a year, plus the five other games against Michigan State's and Northwesterns and the like that you would have normally played anyway. I guess. Yes, I mean that doesn't it doesn't change a ton. I think you know Maryland's out of conference is still going to be what it is um, with. A couple good games here and there. There's still room to, you know, just get try and get someone impressive on the schedule, but that's that's sort of another deal. Um, I think it it really won't affect how they schedule too much. I'm interested to see, you know, if they do that, what they do with the December games, if they like try and move some some of those earlier conference games up. I haven't to see if they actually have plans for that. but Well, this year that's all happening because of Jim Delaney's insistence yeah, of playing the Big Ten Tournament in Madison Square Garden, which I don't remember where they're playing next year. I don't think it's MSG. I could be wrong about that. We'll have to look that up. I know it's not MSG because it's back to the regular uh, weekend, but I don't remember where it is. Well, whatever that is, it means that the normal at a conference get they'll still have to move more games up earlier in conference play because with 20, you're going to have to do that anyway. So we'll see what ends up happening with that. But I thought it was still very interesting that we're having these reactions to expanding the uh, conference schedule to 20 games. And speaking of that, we did find out that Maryland... 2019. It's in Indianapolis. Okay, so it's back to normal areas, and that's not really a surprise. They can't play it in New York every year, nor should they, because it's stupid that they're playing in New York to begin with. Uh, but they, we did find out that they are having one out-of-conference game for next year already scheduled, and they're playing Navy, which there's not really much to say about it other than Maryland should be playing Navy in all sports more than they do. Yeah. Um, yeah, 30. It'll be a 33-year drought that they snap when they do that. In basketball? Yeah. Oh, that's the last cool. time they played it was was Len Bias, David Robinson. Wow. Um, yeah. And now, now that you're thinking about it, boy, what if I wish Fernando I could have been around to see that. Since David Robinson. So. <laughs> More flat top discussion on the Testament of Times podcast. Now you mentioned Len Bias versus David Robinson. Boy, I wish I could have seen that. That would have been something special. But anyway, I'm just happy that Maryland is playing Navy in sports that aren't lacrosse. They really should be playing Navy in more things. And... They need to play more teams in basketball, especially in the state of Maryland and in the area. And they don't do it as much as they should, but that's, again, neither here nor there. Quickly, uh, let's get to non-rev things, including, yes, just when I needed more soccer-crushing disappointment in my life, Maryland has decided to join in on that. It's very depressing. Yeah, this is – well, it's more confusing to me. I mean, because they're – the whole talk about this team throughout the whole offseason was the whole offense is coming back, but what are they going to do about the defense? And now the offense is on this big scoring drought, and Gordon Wilde, who had something like 17 goals last year, has five this year, and two of them are on PKs, and like one of them is on a free kick, and two of them are against Rutgers, and that, that's it. 
Well, I can tell you, having watched soccer for as long as I have at all levels, scoring is really fickle, and it's about confidence. And I haven't watched enough of these games to tell you if they're doing anything wrong tactically. But when you're having a scoring drought, it gets in your head, and it just becomes something that doesn't make a lot of sense. And good chances that you would normally have, you don't end up scoring when you normally would have. And it feels like you're pressing a lot more. And when it goes to a team, when you can't score and you can't break down defenses the way you used to be able to, it, there isn't oftentimes rhyme or reasons for it. You could be doing everything right tactically. You could be generating the chances, but just not finishing them. And it happens. And I don't know whether that's what's happening, but because it's Maryland, I assume it's what's happening. And it's just one of those where it's like somebody will get a fluky, stupid goal in a game to come and then you know, they'll find a way and they'll get confident again. But when you don't have the confidence up front, it can sometimes translate to the back. I believe they lost, what was it, 3-0 to VCU or something like that recently? Yeah. Okay. I think that it's confidence. And these things like this happen, and soccer's weird in that way. So eventually they'll get their confidence back, you would think. But it's sometimes you need something stupid to happen or to get a fluky garbage goal, and then your confidence comes back, and then you'll wonder... Well, what was that run? But those runs happen, and they often come without rhyme or reason, and it is very weird to deal with them, I must say. Just for as watching as much of it as I have, and not watching as much Maryland soccer as I have, but it feels like that's kind of what's going on. Maybe you know yeah. more about this than I do. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's tough to, to put a finger on it. I haven't, I've watched some of it. Um, not, not a lot of it. It's yeah, I mean, it would be tough to put it on anything different than that. Sometimes um, it happens, even for the best of teams. I mean, the best of teams go through scoring All those losses were to non-conference teams, so they're still undefeated in conference play and have one regular season game left against Michigan, who was good. So it's that's going to be weird, you know, just however that, that plays out. Um, and suddenly it's the postseason, so they'll, you know, they're running out of time to figure it out. Yeah, but well, again, as I say, if you can figure it out, then the confidence comes back and the goals start flowing again, and you start wondering, what the heck just happened there? And it goes behind you really quickly. But that's soccer is so weird when it comes to goal scoring like that and tactics and the like, and it, it it's weird. And I can't say that enough, but something that sometimes has to be said because soccer is a weird sport when you're analyzing it like that. And for other non-revs, the women's soccer season is now over. Unfortunately, uh, they grew a bit this year. That's good. Yeah, and they, you know, just a lot of injuries, really, right right at the start of conference play. And so they were never as competitive as they wanted to be in the Big Ten. And, you know, they finished with a pretty poor record, but they almost were able to uh, scrape out a 500 record overall. I think they finished 7, 8, and 3. That's not poor. Um, That's not bad. They they certainly oh definitely grew this year, yeah. which is a good sign. And most of the core is coming back, and most of the core that was injured this year will be healthy. So, um, there the, yeah things are definitely looking up for them, but they were looking pretty down for the second half of the season. And it's bad luck. It's Maryland sports, and there's always bad luck to go around. And for field hockey, another sport that I don't pay as much attention to as I probably should, uh, where are we standing there? 
Uh, actually, they are as good as they've looked all season. Suddenly, with the with Wentz soccer struggling, they could be the best team in Maryland right now, at least this season. Um, they've won, I believe it's five straight. The yeah, um, six straight, I think, to end the regular season. And um, suddenly, they went from number seventeen in the country to they're number twelve right now, but I think that'll even that'll go up. So they're they're doing all right. That's always good. There's always good teams around here, and then of course there's women's basketball and wrestling starting up in the winter. So there's always some good things to go around, I guess at times. So when football's getting you down, don't worry. There's another Maryland sport that's probably good that'll get you to feel a little bit better. As it turns out, it always happens with Maryland. There's always you know one sport does it always beat the expectations but then if you look to a non-rev there's always a really good team out there that we're not paying as much attention to but you should because they are really good and they deserve the attention on this show more than we give them but we try to do this now and for the next couple of weeks as the playoffs come around for some of these fall sports like soccer and uh, for field hockey we'll certainly cover them a little bit more as we go along but thomas it's homecoming weekend in maryland this weekend that's exciting it's Halloween weekend at Maryland this weekend. It is Halloween weekend and homecoming weekend, and Maryland is wearing uniforms colored like the vomit you'll see at most of those parties. I'm sorry, I had to say it. Uh, the vomit's a little darker, usually. Uh, those uniforms are disgusting. I said that when they came out, and I'm saying that again. They're gross, but I don't really care too much about that. <laughs> it's like, I want them to... I don't care. They could play in whatever they wanted to play in, and I wouldn't care as long as they actually performed well, uh, but those uniforms are pretty bad. I'm sure you would have had the same take in the 40s. I probably would have had the same take in the 40s. I, I'm I'm an old soul, and I, listen, uh, uniform takes are silly to begin with, so you really shouldn't hold my opinion that highly regardless, but I don't like those uniforms. Although, again, it's a 330 BTN special for Indiana-Maryland at the same time as Penn State-Ohio State, NC State-Notre Dame, Georgia-Florida, and then TCU-Iowa State, and we'll be watching this game instead. Although I do have to say, it'll be really cool to listen to Lisa Byington call the game if you're going to be at home watching it on BTN. That will be a very good experience, and I can't wait for that. Uh, you won't hear it because you'll be in the press box, although you might see Lisa. I'm glad that we're getting more women calling games in football. There should be more, and she's very good at it. So that should be a very cool experience to see on Saturday. But uh, enjoy homecoming weekend. I wish I could be there, but unfortunately, things are not to be as they are. And uh, Thomas, enjoy covering that game. Uh, I also want to ask about attendance because for the Northwestern game, it looked a lot better, and then I checked the number, and it really wasn't that good. Uh, what kind of attendance number do you think we're going to see after a couple more losses, even though it's homecoming weekend? I, I don't know. Probably around the same. It's I think homecoming and the general apathy around the losing team will probably cancel out. So. You wonder, I was wondering why the attendance was as low as it ended up being, especially after they beat Texas, which I thought would get them a little bump. But, hey, maybe next year it'll be a little bit better. But I'm still a little confused about why the attendance was so low. But it's Maryland football. I don't think there are real reasonable explanations for a lot of the weird stuff that happens with this team. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to this show. Enjoy homecoming weekend. Enjoy Halloween. And next weekend... We'll have maybe a Maryland win to talk about. That would be great. And we will be ever so close to a basketball preview episode of this show, which I'm very excited about because 
talking about Maryland football for as long as we have to talk about it can really drag on you sometimes. But Maryland basketball hopefully is about to come in and save the day. So enjoy the homecoming weekend. Enjoy the Halloween festivities. Until then, go Terps. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.